Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Kimberly Friedmutter. She is a certified master hypnosis and a certified neurolinguistic programming trainer, a member at large of the prestigious UCLA Health System Board, the American Board of Hypnotherapy, the Association of Integrative Psychology, the American Board of Neurolinguistics Programming, and the International Hypnosis Federation. Kimberly is the hypnotherapist to the Hollywood A-listers, politicos, CEOs, and titans of industries. She connects them to their subconscious to get what they truly want out of life. Kimberly and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey, her newly released book, Subconscious Power, Use your inner mind to create the life you always wanted. And simple exercises you can do to immediately improve your life. Good morning, Kimberly. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Hi. Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Hi. Hi, Johnny. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Subconscious Power is truly an amazing read. It is extremely insightful and beautifully constructed, I might add. So congratulations on its release. Thank you so much. It's been uh, not quite a week, and mm-hmm. it's really done quite well in the marketplace, I'm told. Fantastic. I know it's going to be a bestseller. It's just beautifully written, and the information is just terrific. That's all I could say for right now. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Actually, it, it reached uh, the number one Amazon bestseller in its category the third day it was uh-huh. out. So I'm very, very excited about that, primarily because I figure that the more all of us are tapped in, the higher we can raise our consciousness and subconsciousness on a global level. And that is really yeah. where the nuts and bolts were for me. Fantastic. Well, let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we have the whole hour. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so walk slow. <laughs> no, actually, so I was raised in, I was raised in Texas and, um, you know, grassroots and just mm-hmm. Bible Belt area and really had a lot of um, really interesting things happen in life. And one of those was I left the, the home and my family early to start modeling abroad. And I really became a keen observer through the way life laid out at that point for me of human behavior. And so I then, of course, went into entertainment and things in the, in the business in Los Angeles and New York and all over, um, and then became fascinated with hypnosis. It was a continuing education class that I took in response to a radio talk show that I had in Los Angeles on KLSX 97.1 FM, which was the home of Howard Stern at the time. And that radio show brought so much awareness of mental health and all of that to my front door that I thought I just really need to explore this, as well as I had been hypnotized many times prior to that for stage fright. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't have stage fright if you're going to be an on-air personality, as you well know. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can see that it works. And, uh, yeah, it's no good for for entertainment. But the beauty of all the things that unfolded, as many of our lives do, you know, things that are meant to and then things where we decide to take a different path or road, is it all led to the same thing, which was back to my inner mind. And that that subconscious power that's our machinery that we're really coming into this experience with is the best machine that could be sitting on your desk right now at home or at your office. And it's so beautiful because this is merely the manual showing you how to just plug it in and utilize it. So it's something we all come in with that Mm -hmm. if we just know how to use it and, you know, we know in little glimpses, and I I veer off the the question a little bit here, but we know in little glimpses like our gut feelings and our intuitions and our instincts and all the things Mm -hmm. that that happen to you in the course of a day or a week that you just knew you were right when you had that little whisper. You heard it and you felt it. and Maybe you chose to follow it and maybe you chose not to. But all of those nuances are all things that that are our divine inherent right, and we have them. And so why not use your, your finest piece of machinery, the subconscious? So true, very true. When did the label of being a mystic in boots come about? 
Oh, Mr. King Cowboy Boots. So what's funny about <laughs> that, that obviously harkens back to Texas, right? And the grassroots approach. It, it's an interesting thing because when, when, if you want to quiet a room, just say the word hypnotist mm-hmm. or hypnosis or hypnotherapy and everyone becomes quite intrigued by it. And a lot of that is in part because of stage hypnosis and also the mysticism that's built around it. But hypnosis yeah. is really a deep state of a deep state of relaxation that allows you to uh, access other parts of the mind and so our conscious awareness we're, we're double-minded so conscious awareness is the things that you do in the day the sounds your phone makes and the attention mm-hmm. when your children are pulling on your pant leg and things like that those that's our <laughs> conscious our conscious day-to-day but the subconscious is actually the greater part of us it can also be mm-hmm. referred to as the higher self of us if you're looking at it from a spiritual perspective but the beauty of this is that that when you tap into that and become high-minded, you literally are able to excavate a different path for yourself. The reason I love this for people, uh, mainstream and broad, broad strokes, is that mm-hmm. you know all boats lift in high tide. And the mm-hmm. more we all know what we're doing, the easier it is for us. It's like going down the freeway, and you know we all know <laughs> how to do that and to go at rapid speed and to be able to get there, right? Because the ultimate yeah. destination is happy. And so yeah. the beauty of this was when I was approached to write the book, I didn't want to write a book that gave people one more thing to do. My preference was mm-hmm. to write a book that gave people a hundred or a thousand less things to do so that I could right. be a participant in taking things off people's plate. Well, the book certainly did it. I really enjoyed reading the book. Coming back to your life as a young teenager, you obviously started out early with modeling and so forth. Was there a critical moment in your life as a teenager that sort of pivots you in a certain way to whereby you have a different perspective about life at that moment as a teenager? Yes. So, and thank you for asking. So in growing up there, that critical moment was when I really came, what in any film structure is the top of act three called mono e mono, which is hand to hand. And that was Mm -hmm. a a time I had with my mother that, and I I grew up in a mentally challenged home. Uh, Our, our home was like many, many, many people's homes, whether they speak about it or not, you know, quite steeped in dysfunction. And I knew at that point in time that I needed to leave for my survival. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book, but now that you've read mine, um, I mentioned in there, Gavin DeBecker, the author and the security consultant who actually mm-hmm. protects the cloud <laughs> his, his, <laughs> or it's a security <laughs> consultant. Yeah. I don't know what gender we placed on the cloud, but let's just call it neutral. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he wrote that beautiful book called The Gift of Fear. And this was years ago, and he's written many books. But one of those poignant moments was that he was raised in a home similar. And, and the situation is that you become very primal in that moment. And, it, and your subconscious is always fighting for your survival. And at that moment in time, I knew that I needed to escape this place. I needed to leave here, and I needed to go. Now, that happens to be at the time when, you know, we fledge, when we're fledglings mm-hmm. and we move on, right, is in those teenage years. And so it, it was, you know, albeit feels early at 14, but it was actually time appropriate because that's how it laid out for me. And I, uh, again, you know, just really was what I feel like kind of in the world, all of a sudden one day you're, you know, tucked in and snugly at home and the next day out you go. Mm-hmm. And that was okay because those you know, I learned to gather my, my flight mechanism, my wings. I learned to figure out how to lift off at that point. Um, I didn't go about it the correct way or the right way in retrospect. I wish I had had this kind of text available to me then, which was part of the impetus of, of putting it out in the world for youngsters and, you know, old people as well. My father is just turning 90 in uh, mm-hmm. a couple of months, and he is utilizing these principles, and these are all new to him because he was raised in the 20s. And so, right. he, you know, all all of this information is new for him. So there's, it's never too late, um, and it certainly is never too young to digest this material. Certainly. In hindsight, too, as I look at my life, and I share this with everyone on the air, and likewise, I think you can look back as well, we have our own personal journey that we're going on. And having said that, the things that we have experienced in the past certainly contributed to who we are today. And we needed to experience that so that we can share it with others. Yes. And every journey is divine. Every journey Mm -hmm. is anointed. Every journey has its 
has its beauty to it. And even in the book with the understanding that everyone is really doing the best that they can at the time with what they have. And even in the worst, most atrocious situations, people are doing the best they can at the time with what they have and what their capabilities are at the time. And so Mm -hmm. taking this and learning, taking the text and learning how to plug into that greater sense of self really not only helps your survivability rate, but really helps you survive. I like to say thrivability (laughs) that you're thriving in that, in that aspect, because surviving is one thing, you know, and and that's That's obviously the first thing, but to thrive is where this book and its intention lie. So true. Going into your twenties and thirties, Were there people that influenced your life? And if so, how did they impact you? I developed a soft ear for for whispers and Mm -hmm. for the quiet protocols, things that didn't, you know, like the subconscious doesn't have to yell or scream. It whispers. It taps you on the shoulder. It's what I consider a soft protocol. I developed Mm -hmm. that for other practitioners and people in the business of varying protocols. I was open to a lot of things. I I did go through a lot of turmoil. You know, leaving wasn't Mm -hmm. the beginning or the end of it. And um, until I really tapped in and and learned this and started utilizing it for my clients and then now out in mainstream, I really, you know, I I was raised to believe that life was a battle and that you'd better armor up and you'd better, (laughs) you know, have weaponry and you'd better, no, really. I mean, I was, you know, there's a lot of false beliefs that we hold on to until we know better. And when right. we know better, right. that's when we can do better, correct? So the, right. the idea that I was able to seek out and find and absorb and really like a sponge take in uh, the openness that others were sharing, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But, you know, you mm-hmm. have to live your journey and you have to make your mistakes and all those. And I've made all of them, I believe. Right. <laughs> Maybe twice. <laughs> I don't know. But I, <laughs> who's counting? But the thing is, is that I got from it, you know, and, and now right. we all get right. from it is the way I look at it is it was, please allow me to have made those mistakes so you don't necessarily have to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Correct. waste your right. time. Just go from point A to point B. <laughs> so true. What <laughs> I like about in reading your book, I resonate with certain things in the stories that you talk about simply because I think as a child, depending on how we grow up in the environment, certainly contribute to our totality in terms of our thinking. And over the years, there's one thing that I realized is that there are two equal but separate forces that govern all the decisions that we make fear, or love. Depending on the situations we're in, we're living our life through fear. It's fear-driven. It's until we make that flip to the love side of the equation, everything changes. Correct. Now, perspective plays into this, too, because Mm -hmm. I can take this thought one step further, is that fear is perceived, might be perceived as fear to you, and fear Mm -hmm. may not be perceived as fear to the other. It might just be perceived as Tuesday, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of, a oh, lot of interesting dynamics around fear and love, right? Yeah. So, oh, so definitely. what is love? There's, there's, you know, real love, mm-hmm. divine love, respectful love, anointed love, and then there's, you know, right. mistaken love yeah. and, and mistaken right. identity and love. And so it's, it's pretty fascinating, but you're absolutely right. And what's nice about the subconscious mind is that you can rewrite over a corrupted mm-hmm. hard drive. And by that, That's I correct. mean, if, you, if you've been coming from a fear perspective, and I don't mean you personally, but from someone who's coming no, no, from a fear perspective, yeah. you can rewrite over that all of those old scripts so that now you don't even really register what that is. Now, I wouldn't disconnect mm-hmm. that from someone unecologically, like I had had and mentioned in the, in the book, the story of the gentleman who came to want to surf the big wave and mm-hmm. really wanted to not have that fear response in doing that. And of course, that would have been uh, irresponsible on my part because that fear is keeping him alive and you know survivability so is always primary but your perspective of what you're in at the time Mm -hmm. you know can shift and change and when you know your subconscious and you know that machinery and that mechanism you can plug that into the equation as well so that you really know you're you're aligned with what feels good to you you know and and not going off the rails and not really being aware of it it's a slippery slope that i totally agree i mean too much fear it's like you can't leave the front door without consulting a Ouija board. 
you can't live your life that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not recommended. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And of course, too much love, you get walk all over. So that's not healthy either. It's that wonderful balance that we're looking. And what I like about it is that the book talks about intentions. Basically, in a nutshell, every step you take, you're not falling into the step, but it's an intentional step that you're taking. Yes. Even down to the fact that the other day I donated 900 books. I signed every copy mm-hmm. too. I signed them and then I, uh-huh. I placed my intention on that book, that that book yeah. would land in the hands that it was intended for. Intention can be utilized in every step of the day. You can intentionalize your breakfast. You can intentionalize, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of my one bowl of theory if you've got to that, <laughs> to the speaking of kitchens and recipes and food is, is being able yeah. to really intentionalize because then you eliminate the gorging, you eliminate the gluttony, you eliminate just to put it back in the food uh, metaphor, is you're able Mm -hmm. to really be aware in this subconscious way. So it's not a conscious awareness, but the subconscious depth that gives you that that substructure. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I I liken it to looking at, we're in the desert here in in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I liken it to looking at a treasure chest that's all of your life and all the beautiful things about your life in this chest. But if I were to have you excavate and dig down and mine what's underneath that and and the real you in the you, you know how you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, there you are, you know, and you can feel the you inside yeah. of you that never, never ages, never changes, all of that. That is, that is what we're looking at. We're looking at the you that's carrying the you through this lifetime. That's the mirror I want to have, by the way. So if you have one, just send one over to me that I never ate. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> uh, mirror, mirror. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> looking back at your life's journey, And this is very interesting now because you have all the limelight. You have the spotlight on you. And I mean it in a good way. Don't get me wrong. So this is a major shift from the standpoint of that, the acting career, the modeling, and you're shifting towards hypnotherapy. Why did hypnotherapy become a career choice? Well, it, it chose me. And Mm -hmm. I, I, like I had said, had been hypnotized many, many times before just as a protocol and Mm -hmm. I loved it and it worked. So I already had that idea and thought in my head and was pretty, pretty tapped into my subconscious, but I was not utilizing it on a day-to-day basis. It wasn't my go-to. And it's interesting because science can't exactly pin the perfect percentage on how much of our subconscious um, we're using or how much of our thought processes are subconscious versus conscious, but they believe it's about 95% subconscious mind. And so Mm -hmm. imagine that you always hear people through your lifetime say, oh, we only use part of our brain, but it's actually the mind that they're speaking of when they say that in the sense that that's a vast part of us that is untapped if you're not really utilizing it. And I admittedly was not. I had no idea. Like in the book, you'll remember that there's, you know, you use your subconscious Mm -hmm. to find lost items around your home, find great parking Mm -hmm. spaces to know if someone's good for you when you meet them in the short term, the midterm or the long term. These are all very practical, functional ways. You can you can do this with your children. You know, if you feel like something's going on, how many times have you felt like, you know, you think of someone or you just get a glimpse of them or the sense of them or something in your mind and they call? This is all Mm -hmm. of that state of broader knowledge. And that's what we're tapping into the you that knows more about you than anyone or anything. Certainly. I agree with that. Can anyone be hypnotized? Yes. In fact, I'll prove it to you. <laughs> I love this question. I love this question. My my real favorite question is the one, it's actually not a question, but a statement when people come up and they say, you know, I uh-huh. cannot be hypnotized and they declare mm-hmm. it. And I say, mm-hmm. write down on a piece of paper and I'll grab a piece of paper and pen. And I said, please list your, fo- your top five priorities. And, you know, those are your hypnotists. Whatever has you entranced, mesmerized, amazed, watching a child with a ball, watching a kitten with a ball of yarn, watching, uh, watching a chase, like a chase on television, a police chase. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. is hypnosis in its, in its purest form. We're watching this drive, this long drive. We're watching these turns and things. We're, we're connected. We're entranced. We are mesmerized by this ac- action and activity. So even if you're driving yourself down long stretches of highway and you forgot the last five miles or you're staring inside your refrigerator, 
and you don't remember mm-hmm. what you went in for, that's all hypnosis. So it's our natural state. So the reason it's our mm-hmm. natural state is because we can't be on call and on demand every second of every day. So it's like your screensaver mode on your computer. And then whenever you snap out of it, so I call it zoning out, you know, like daydreaming, all of that is right. trance. Or if you listen to your favorite artist, just look at the next concert you go to and watch everybody waving their arms <laughs> and they're all with their phones set on the flame, right? And they're all right, just swaying right, and right. moving to the music. The hypnotist is the artist and the subjects are the uh, mm-hmm. audience. It's so fascinating. And then it's 100% organic, 100% mm-hmm. natural, 100% sustainable. In fact, the more you use it, the more you gain. And then 100% private should you want to keep it that way. In reading your book, what's interesting was there's a section there, put on your tutu and dance. <laughs> it's another thing and that did sort you? of like. Ah, uh, <laughs> good question. There's a tanka. A, no, there's a tanka for you. <laughs> I'm a ballroom instructor and dancer and performance. And so I agree and understand because at that moment in time when my partner and I are performing, we are in that trance. We are being hypnotized because we're listening to the song and especially for me because I'm a rhythmic dancer and I just listen to the melody and let it carry me away for that two and a half three minutes so imagine you're in your greatness and you're in school Mm -hmm. and let's just say you're eight years old and the teacher is tapping on the blackboard with her ruler and she (laughs) says Johnny Johnny I want you to pay attention pay attention get back in the room and you've got all of this going on in your head you've got the dancing you've got the song you're there you're happening it's happening you know genius comes in those moments that's our our innate natural state of greatness right there you absolutely tapped into it and that is That's it. True. So so just like daydreaming is natural, this mm-hmm. is the same thing. And then oftentimes people ask the difference between this and meditation. So while meditation yeah. asks you to focus on your breathing and this and that, zoning out as opposed to zoning in with meditation is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Think nothing. It'll come. So those thoughts mm-hmm. come. It's so beautiful. And so many things that we're utilizing today, I might add, came from when people were in trance. All you have to Google is hypnosis and great notables and lists and lists and lists over hundreds and hundreds of years will come up of people who, who invented things, created things, theories. I mean, all kinds of, of amazing uh, from artists, scientists, a lot of things that we utilize on a daily basis came from someone in this state of trance. I want that. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. place I want to be. I don't want to be worrying about the phone buzzing and the fist <laughs> ringing and the late model car telling me I'm too close to this and too far from that. And, you know, all of the, all of the conscious distractions that we, that we get in, uh, embroiled in. It's amazing mm-hmm. what happens. And so you as a ballroom dancer, you absolutely get that. You're operating mm-hmm. off of an automatic signal to move. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. In reading your book, we all relate to things that we do, right? It doesn't matter whether it's dancing or whatever we do. And I say, I see what she's talking about. I understand now. Mm -hmm. It's the simplicity of the things that you're trying to explain. It just connects. And that's the most important thing. So I really, really like that. You're oh, thank you. I, I did want to make it super digestible. That was a, that was an intention <laughs> to make it completely easy because nobody needs uh-huh. one more hard thing to do. <laughs> Let's just say you certainly <laughs> did. You certainly did. It, it was wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Kimberly Friedmutter. She is a certified master hypnosis and Certified Neuro-Linguistic Programming Trainer, a member at large of the prestigious UCLA Health System Board, the American Board of Hypnotherapy, the Association of Integrative Psychology, the American Board of Neuro-Linguistics Programming, and the International Hypnosis Federation. Kimberly and I are having a conversation about her life's journey, her newly released book, Subconscious Power, Use Your Inner Mind to Create the Life You Always Wanted and simple exercises you can do immediately to improve your life. Kimberly, why did you decide to write Subconscious Power? I was contacted by a woman who was working at HarperCollins at the time. And Mm -hmm. I was just minding my business, 
in my practice and hadn't thought outside <laughs> of the door and yeah. literally, and this is how things happen again. This is how it happens. I mean, why she contacted me, you know, how that all fell into place, the fact that I was ready to do this. And, you know, once I contemplated doing it and I thought, you know, I just really getting this out there in mainstream was really the ultimate goal. So I told her, yes, I would absolutely do that. You know, you hand in a proposal before mm-hmm. a book is accepted. And so I put together the proposal. It took about a year to really boil down all of the magnificence that was happening in the office and get it all on paper. And at that point, in order just to submit. And so when I went to submit it, she had left HarperCollins. And so the agent put it out to bid and Simon and Schuster won the bid on that. And it was the most amazing thing because Atria Books, who also published The Secret, You'll remember that. And we love our forefathers because the more information that comes to us and the more we learn and we digest and then we're ready for the next meal. You know, it's the appetizer, Mm -hmm. the entree, the dessert, all of these things to put it in food terms. (laughs) And so here we are. (laughs) And um, and they were so excited to, to publish it. And I was so excited to have them as a partner because the secret was a beautiful exploration in summoning and the subconscious and the power that is out there for us to tap into. I contend mm-hmm. that it's inside of us and that it's there and we're born with it actually comes before, you know, I've hypnotized a, a woman who was expecting and the baby in utero and the baby told us exactly what time to the minute to the second of the day that the baby would be born and she indeed was born on that day i've hypnotized a dog i've hypnotized a bull you know you can hypnotize anything with a brain and a mind can be hypnotized Mm -hmm. see for me you probably need to hit me with iron skillets to kind of knock me out there (laughs) (laughs) whatever works maybe maybe a nice tone works too (laughs) i have all kinds of, of fun inductions that I I would dare you to try to resist, my friend. I would oh, dare you to try God. to resist. <laughs> That'll be our challenge. We'll do we'll there do like go. the ice bucket challenge, but we'll do the hypnotizing Johnny challenge. There you go. <laughs> An ice bucket would work too. Oh, yeah, I think I think it will. I think so. I think so. Please give us a quick walkthrough, a synopsis of the book. So it's six principles that are super easy to use. It's things that mm-hmm. everyone knows. It's not new vernacular or new thought processes that you need to you know, take in or learn. It's nothing difficult whatsoever. What it really is is a realignment of the things that you've been told. Maybe you've read if you're a seeker, searcher, learner. But it starts with the six principles. And the first one is come into accountability, which is just basic common sense. Any Anytime you're starting from anywhere, you want to know where you are. You want to be really mm-hmm. honest about the look at yourself at that. Warts and all. You know, we all have a past. We all have our mistakes, our bumps and our bruises. And it's taking a look at that. And then the second is the second principle would be tapping into your subconscious. And so that is the part where people just aren't necessarily so familiar with how to do that. And that's that plugging in of the machinery, how to just literally the manual for that machine, taking the book and just plugging into that mechanism. And then the third is, do you move toward or away? Your orientation of where you start things, whether they're good things or bad things, positive things or negative things, is super important. Are you one who runs away from things Are you, you know, that you don't like? Like even bacteria moves away from negative stimuli. Or mm-hmm. are you one of these people that is always moving toward the next thing, in which case you must end up in these places that you're really you know, have earned, deserve, are grateful for, have intentionalized, you know, whatever the case is. Most of us do run from things or move away from negative stimulus, but this is a nice lesson in how to control that and to make note and take notice. The next would be judging thyself and thy neighbor. Now, this is a fun one because we've been taught not to judge, and I 100% disagree with that. I don't mean, you know, do you look right in your outfit or is that color good for you? I don't mean that at all. What I mean is the survivability of you as the person needing to judge. And we have really in our PC world and in our life as we know it have really tampered that down, and I believe it's done us a great disservice. The next, Mm -hmm. which is an equally sticky subject and topic, is give to get. You know, even Mm -hmm. when the tomato dies and falls off the vine, it gives in its death to the plant coming up next to it and the 
plant that gave it life. So for the new fruit coming in, it serves as fertilizer and food. And so the importance to keeping that energetic loop tight and keeping that circuitry full is, is one of these things that I'll hear women, mothers, fathers who are working hard every day, all of these people, and certainly not gender specific, but people are feeling pretty yeah. tapped out right now. I think it's fair to say that we're on edge, that we feel raw, we are scared, we're nervous, we're anxiety ridden opioid crisis, all of these things going on in the world. And that's okay in the sense that this give to give, give to get really gets that principle moving. And so when I have people who feel depleted and they feel just embroiled in lack and they feel like there's just no real place to turn for sustenance or to fill their cup, I often first check to see and make sure that they're really giving so that they can be getting. Now, remember, in getting, you need to be a receiver. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with. So this clears all of that up. And so the next mm-hmm. time someone says to you, what can I give you for your service or what can I give you for your um, you know, prayer you've offered or what can I give you for your attention or anything like that, make sure that you answer that. Because the real clean, clear, aligned way is to be honest and forthright. And that's the way the subconscious understands messages. It doesn't understand passive aggressiveness. It doesn't understand the trick in the things that we do and the mental games we play. It wants to be straight arrow down the middle where everybody's on board and everybody knows what everything else really is. Um, and then the last principle is play big. You know, there is another stigma in keeping your head beneath mm-hmm. the weeds and, you know, playing small and, oh, no, not me. Couldn't be me. Don't look at me. Don't, you know, talk to me. This is okay. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just over here existing. Well, that's not playing big. That's the antithesis. <laughs> so right, we need right. you globally. We yeah. need your greatness. I need your, your genius, Johnny. The world needs your genius. Everyone needs the best that the other can bring to the table. We need it. And we, and we right. were so fortunate to have it from so many of our genius forefathers, but we need to keep that going. This playing small thing doesn't work for us globally. It doesn't work for us as an energetic circuit. It doesn't work for us in a familial situation, in a family structure. We need your greatness to come forth, and this guides you to that. So true. Wonderful. Let's talk about your pure state. I love it because that chapter sort of gets us back into when we are thinking about ourselves, for me, that's where the moment you reflect upon and realize that you were pretty much paralyzed by your thoughts. Oftentimes. Yeah, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly guided. I mean, your trajectory mm-hmm. depends on your perspective. And so if this book shifts your perspective to the healthy, then your trajectory becomes healthy. So just like in any other thought systems and law of attraction and all of that, if you're, if you're getting back what you're projecting and you're putting out and you're summoning out health and good things, yes, good things come back, but simply because that's your perspective. So the perspective mm-hmm. starts in the mind. How do I view things? You know, case in point, when a child has scary shadows dancing on the wall and they think it's monsters when they grow older and they become more aware consciously of what things are, they say, oh, that was a street lamp down below my bed shining through my Mm -hmm. window. It wasn't scary monsters. But imagine if you hold on to false beliefs and false truths for you that maybe generationally happened or geographically happened to you or things that you just picked up that you believed, especially about self. You know, a lot of uh, CEOs Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs and people who are playing very big in the world world have deep underlying vulnerability and fear issues very much so it's not exclusive to the rest of us even the greatest minds and thinkers in the world uh, you know have these vulnerabilities the one word i got for your book for me personally is balance because what happens is that what the heart creates the mind formulates but the danger is we get our mind running and that's where the paralysis comes from because it's too much the critical thinking conscious critical thinker is made to get you out the door and into your car and to your appointment. <laughs> that's what that's for. <laughs> that is too. <laughs> the rest, it, the rest you want the subconscious to handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How you participate and, in the meeting, how you build rapport with someone, how that meeting goes, what you anticipate. Precisely. I mean, how many people have big meetings today and they're listening and, and or tomorrow and they're listening and, you know, it's, it's like this thing and you want to do so mm-hmm. good and this, this pressure that we put on ourselves and you really want that the core is you want survivability, which is other people like me, other people mm-hmm. will support me. I have the support of my community. It's all of those things. And then that's enough to just shut you down before a meeting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what you're time. focused on. Big mm-hmm. time. 
I tell you, it's amazing because the next one you talk about tapping into the subconscious. As I meditate, I used to like, my mind is running, right? Even though you're meditating, it's like I have a whiteboard and constantly scratching and scrubbing and this, that, and so forth. As I transfer that thought process to my heart, and it's sort of a heart-driven feeling, that's the best way I could explain it, I feel a certain relief in between my ears, so to speak, that the pressure is gone because the concentration is not in the mind, but it's in the heart. Right. So when you speak of heart, what you're really, Mm -hmm. really speaking of is that subconscious higher self place. So we yeah. put it on the heart because the heart is the mechanism scientifically that pumps, you know, our, our quote unquote oil or body fluid or blood through mm-hmm. our bodies mm-hmm. for life. Correct. And so we yes. put it there and, and um, all kinds of meditative practices and spiritual practices focused on the heart. But really what you're tapping into really scientifically is that subconscious that feels like the heart. That's that gut feeling. That's that. I love you with all of my mind. You know, it's mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. It's all of where your emotions are, where Everything is captured and, and denoted and noted. So she or he, this subconscious mm-hmm. part of you, is your stenographer and takes in every single thing that happens to you day and night and is like a recording device for that. And so when you're feeling that, that amazement, you know, some people look up to the stars, they're scientific based, they look at nature and the towering tree in the middle of the forest, and they feel euphoria. That is that, that synopsis and that, that wonderful biochemistry that goes through us when we appreciate that broader perspective and something bigger and larger than us that we consider divine. Other people when they hold their baby, other people when they see an animal playing or, you know, just nature, it can be anything, whatever your thing is, that's your hypnotist, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing and exclusive and individual to every one of us. That's true. Very, very true. So let's talk about what's your definition of good judgment? What's Echo for you? You know, I cite Judge Judy. I love her. Judy Shonlin. She's so great. She's so real. She calls it like it is. And, and I love the fact that with 11 million and counting, I'm sure it's higher than that now, numbers that uh, are watching her. You know, I really had to mm-hmm. analyze what is it about her show that has us so mesmerized. She's our hypnotist, you bet. When she jumps across her desk and <laughs> says, you moron, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got to love that because she she's showing us and so we're getting this beautiful theater in a half an hour program we're getting this beautiful theater about how we could have utilized better judgment and that really is her message is did you utilize good judgment at the time and right there you see this beautiful cross-section of people and you can see that a lot of them didn't you know in in the one case you know where she even let the dog decide who the dog wants to go to she (laughs) wanted to see the outcome and her her verdict in a court system was going to be determined by the dog and by the dog Mm -hmm. and that love and by the dog and that higher self of that dog, mind you, to choose who that dog went home with. This was a case for listeners that aren't aware of it. It was a case where two different families were claiming ownership of the dog and she allowed the dog to decide who the dog wanted to go home with. And that was a sweet, wonderful, beautiful moment of her judgment. Right, right. So true. I know we addressed this, giving and receiving, and we talked a little bit about that. Why is overgiving bad? Overgiving has a couple of core reasons it's bad. One is what is the I, – I am an admitted overgiver, former mm-hmm. overgiver, and it, I was doing it to get love. I thought right. that if I gave more, I would be loved more. That's one reason. It could be to try to attain safety. It can be for a myriad of reasons. That's something mm-hmm. that each individual person can ask themselves and, and come to an immediate answer. But I did believe that people would see me as a more fit friend or a more fit family member the more I gave, and therefore I would be loved more. And it could not have had more of the opposite effect. It drove people away. It looked desperate, and it was. In hindsight, it was all of those things. And, and I, it makes me sad when I see people do it because they're depleting themselves. And if mm-hmm. they knew what we know now, and in reading that chapter, it'll become so evidently clear. It's a beautiful healing thing that happens when you are, when you are enough. 
and when mm-hmm. the love you give is enough and all of this. I mean, I had, can I tell you if it had wings or wheels or anything <laughs> I was giving it, I was over giving almost to my own destruction. And I'm sure every mother in the world will know what that is and how that feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a shame because I literally was, was emptying my, my cup, my vat, my well right. was running dry. And I was, I was mad. I became, very, I became very resentful of not only myself for the giving, but for the others for receiving the things that I was basically forcing them to take from me. So, I mean, you talk <laughs> about it wasn't passive aggressive. It was aggressive right. aggressive. Right. And I mean, talk about accountability, you really need to come to that place. And that's the first principle to be able to openly and honestly look at at how you handled relationships and what drove you. So if you Mm -hmm. feel depleted and you're listening and you feel tired and over, over extended, that is guaranteed what's happening with you. And so you've got to reel it back, read the chapter, and you'll feel so much better and gain respect of others and the love of others for real, not what you mm-hmm. can give. Because everywhere there's a, a giver, there's a getter and vice versa, but it needs to be authentic. That's correct. And one of the things also in the end is about intention. If you're giving because you want something back, that's when the pressure starts building up. But if you're giving and not even expecting anything back, it changes the dynamics. Well, see, I look at it the opposite. I, I look mm-hmm. at it really as, and, and I appreciate that, that mm-hmm. position, but here's how I look at it. If I, mm-hmm. if I give it without mm-hmm. expecting and I don't get anything back, then that's what makes you upset. That's actually the mm-hmm. problem. So the, the giving, yeah. because let's look at it, let's look at it from a structural standpoint. So even the government, yeah. when you give philanthropically, right? So I'm a, right. I'm a big giver when it comes to organizations and people in need. And so when right. I give, I get two things back and the government sets it up this way to an, encourage giving. So the mm-hmm. one thing I get back first and immediately is I feel better and I feel good about right. myself. And that's, I believe, our primary driver is that we do feel good when we give. And there's a reason for that is that it is the right thing to do. The second thing is the government gives you the tax incentive. You get to write right. that off. And the reason they do that as a government, imagine this big system understands mm-hmm. the give to get principle. And then what we do is we come along, we say, no, 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 really, really, really take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. And yeah. Then after this person takes and takes and takes and takes and takes, and we don't say, hey, wait a minute. So now when I give, I ask for something mm-hmm. because it's only right. fair. Like I'll say, oh, you know, Johnny, call me later. I'm going to send you a tutu <laughs> because <Yeah>. you mentioned <laughs> that chapter, and I think that's very funny. And what you've given me is you've given me the opportunity to visit with you about the book today. And so yeah. there's, we would have this complete energetic loop. And I appreciate mm-hmm. you for that. And it doesn't need to be a thing. You know, it can be time. Right, Look right, at the right. five languages of love, you know, the five love languages. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful book that it doesn't need to be a thing. But there does need to be this reciprocity because every single thing on the planet operates with reciprocity. It's a universal law. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I think as giving is intentional, the receiving has to be intentional as well, because if you just take without good intentions in terms of turning it around, then it's just a one-way street. So I really agree with that. It's very, very true. Right. And there's a beautiful thing about letting people know what you'd like in return. There really is. Mm -hmm. I know that mates Mm -hmm. appreciate it. You know, none of us are mind readers. And sometimes there is a lot of pressure to give and you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what the person truly desires. And it's a lot of pressure. I know men feel Mm -hmm. it when they give gifts and the woman, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm (laughs) fine. But she's not fine. And it's not the truth that she's fine. She actually wants to be fine. But it's not, you know, it, that is the passive aggressiveness. So we've, we've started engaging in this dance. And my mm-hmm. purpose in that chapter was to debunk that dance so that we can all get real, all get honest, and all get happy. Mm-hmm. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Kimberly Friedmutter. She is a certified master hypnosis and a certified neurolinguistic programming trainer, a member at large of the prestigious UCLA Health System Board, the American Board of Hypnotherapy, the Association for Integrative Psychology, the American Board of Neurolinguistics Programming, and the International Hypnosis Federation. Kimberly and I are having a conversation about her life's journey 
her newly released book, Subconscious Power, Use Your Inner Mind to Create the Life You've Always Wanted, and simple exercises you could do to immediately improve your life. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Kimberly, when should we play big? Very good question. I would say when you feel encouraged to, when you feel driven to, when you feel the call. Because here's the thing. You cannot manufacture these moments. We all know the moment where we feel like we need to activate. And there's actually a, a, a exercise in the book about apathy to action. And that's the sitting to the activation point for our best interest, always for your highest good and your best interest, never at the expense mm-hmm. of another, ever, ever, ever. And the point here is to really give yourself permission to do it. How many times do you sit there and an opportunity walks right past you or, you know, you're at a business meeting and you could say something, but you shrink back instead. Fear has a way and vulnerability and anxiety and all of those things are just those dancing shadows on the wall. They have no real tangibility to them unless they do. If you have a reason, you know, say you want to go mm-hmm. mountain climbing mm-hmm. and you fell off one, then that's a real reason. But other than that, these are things that are just manufactured in the mind or through the things that we're listening to, exposing ourselves to, watching. These are just fears that can come creep in, but they're not the real hard drive. They're not the capacity of the real machine. The real machine wants to run and go and do, and plugging in that mechanism is the key to this. So I say give yourself that boost of courage go for it, do it, because now is the time. You know, regret is the only thing that we really pay for, um, you know, because times have passed and an opportunity perhaps passed or whatever. Write the one you love, call the one that you miss, all of those things because you did it. And the outcome is, you know, is it supposed to go forward and supposed to mean something and supposed to happen? It will, certainly, because we're powerful, but the, mm-hmm. the world at large, and, you know, you do mention that I, I talk about soul spirit, all of those mm-hmm. mechanisms working for you, you're amazing and you're great. And the only one sometimes that doesn't know that or doesn't capture that feeling is you. And so it, we all know those times where, should I, I don't know, you know, just in back to the mystic and cowboy boots, boots just prod <laughs> yourself and go, <laughs> go get that little energetic, energetic moment. I give you permission to be amazing. That's the, the basis. I give you permission. And if you don't give yourself permission, no one else will. You're it. You are with you from the moment the you inside of you is with you from the moment you conceive until the moment you transition. And then from there, no one knows. But while you're here on this journey, utilize, utilize, utilize. It's waiting for you. And you'll feel better. The whole outcome mm-hmm. of any of this is to feel good. So true. Can you share with us the four pillars of self-care that you talk about in the book? Yes. So these, as spoken are going to seem super, super, super obvious. And you've heard them a thousand times. And the reason I reiterate is because here's the point. When your mind kicks in and when you plug in that machine, I want your body sack, your physical being. I want this carrier of you, your vehicle, your train, all of those things. I want it to be able to go the distance because your mind will be primed and ready to go and to activate. And so in order to do that, you must, must, must care for your body. It's just one of those things. And guess what? You're going to want to because a gluttonous person, person, a person who's struggling with anything in their physical body is going to want to shift that paradigm and going to want to rewrite that hard drive, that corroded hard drive at this point in order to make it. And so it's, it's one of those things that if you're in that position now, you probably cannot even imagine getting out of it and rightly so. But when that mind gets plugged in and you're utilizing that part of you, that physical body is going to want to line up. The reason is because the mind controls the body. The thoughts are lickety split fast. So, so, so fast that even computers can't keep up with it. And here we are now on the body being super slow. So when illness creeps in and disease and surprise diagnosis and all of these things can be attributed to thought processes, chronic thought processes through the years that then turned into physical issues possibly to get your attention. So we want to be very aware that the body is fine-tuned and ready to go. This would be hydration, great sleep, 
great food and movement activity. So those are the four pillars. But the reason they sound just so, you know, when I say them and I hear myself saying them, I think, of course, of course. But when you read them in the context of the book, it'll explain why. And it's not Mm -hmm. what you think. It's all coming from the fact that every single client of mine has a, an amount, a percentage of unhappiness. And that unhappiness is the exact percentage related to the amount of slack they afforded themselves, either in their physical or in their family or in their work, in their relationships, whatever the case. That, that proportion is exactly right on with the slack that they gave themselves. And they all know it. They say, oh, my gosh, there it mm-hmm. is. Got it. I afforded myself that slack, and this is proportionate to the amount of unhappiness I feel. So when you get all systems on board, you know, we are mind, body, soul, you know, entities. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's all connected. And if you don't want the soul part, don't read that part. If you just want the <laughs> mind, body part, and you're steeped in science, read that part, because it works the right. same. The body, the mind, or the mind, body, spirit is all the same unit. Well, your book is very well balanced. I believe it touches the scientific side of the equation as well as the spiritual side of the equation. And in all actuality, existence is the balance of both. You cannot lean too much on one side or the other side of the equation. I think it's the ultimate balancing act of both that yields you the person that you are truly looking at yourself. Your book allows us, certainly allows me to look at it from that perspective. And I feel balanced afterwards in reading your book because it nourishes my soul, but at the same time, it taught me something new that I don't have to go read 10,000 books. <laughs> no, no, we're so busy, <laughs> right? We're so busy. And I appreciate your feedback on that. But please, I said, please, please, please don't let me write one book that gives somebody something else to do. I can't bear it. <laughs> I want to take off the plate. Please, please, please. So thank you for that. Mission accomplished. (laughs) How is life a loop and not a line? So this is the story uh, about Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. And I really do, I really do believe, and it comes not only from my upbringing, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I was happy to go the science route and happy not to look at spirit and all of those things as well. So it's not like I blindly go into this whatsoever. I do a lot of uh, past life regression with clients when they ask, the things I've seen and the things I've, I've realized have come into my office, is it's unrefutable. The other thing is I do feel very much connected to spirit. I love the fact that there's a broader perspective and there's, there's a bigger system working. I utilize mm-hmm. that comfort in my daily life always, and I really can't imagine life without it after it convinced me time and time again just by its presence. So what that is for every person, that's one thing. But the funny thing in the Mike Tyson story was that just to briefly touch on it was that I had done a favor, I guess you could call it a favor, um, for Mike and his family and having to do with Muhammad Ali being one of his pallbearers, which he was honored and asked mm-hmm. to, to be. And he has a show here in Las Vegas, Mike does, and he wasn't able to make it there on time and back in time to honor his uh, ticket holders. And so I was able to be a small little link and facilitate something there for him that got him to the memorial service for Muhammad and uh, someone had mentioned, Oh, you know, I bet Mike is, I bet Mike is so impressed with you. Those were the words. Yes. I bet Mike is so impressed with you. And I said, Mike, Oh my gosh. And that couldn't have come. That comment couldn't have come more from left field. And I thought it wasn't Mike I was trying to impress. It was Muhammad I was trying to impress because here again, you know, in that giving and being that giver, I thought I, I, you know, Mike, I know Mike and and he's lovely and amazing and I love his wife and and family. And here we are, but, but that wasn't on my mind. I love friends in high places. And interestingly enough, as, as the universe provides the other night, I was at uh, one of the um, charity events and I ran into Lonnie Ali, his widow, and I had the book with me. And I said, oh, my gosh, this chapter, here it is. And I write in the book her part of her eulogizing her husband. And so she was so excited about the chapter. And so she signed a thing to me and wrote a nice thing. And we spent a nice visit together. But, you know, it's that kind of thing. When you're working for the greater the greater uh, loopage mm-hmm. and, and not finding it this thing. Now, this is all personal choice. Again, right. you, know, you right. may have your reasons for not believing, and that's all fine, too. But here's the thing. 
is if you're open to it, it may reveal itself to you. And that's beautiful. Um, I had that surprise diagnosis from my friend who had crossed over. And Mm -hmm. so I went to the doctor. I didn't run to the doctor, but when I went in for my next checkup, I did have them check exactly what she said. And lo and behold, Mm -hmm. there was that issue. And Mm -hmm. I, uh, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember that part of the book, but the beauty of this is that I'm sitting there at UCLA telling, you know, the best doctors in the world, uh, how I came, because they said, how did you like even come to this? Like, what would even make you think of this? And I told them. And, and so, you know, with a, with a wink and a giggle, you know, they looked at me and I said, well, let's be careful because I can have her watch your bodies too. You know, (laughs) I can ask, (laughs) you can always ask. But but the point is, is that when things like that happen, it's pretty powerful. And uh, luckily everything was fine and it, it turned out not to be a big deal, but she did alert me to it. And I mean, where do you get that from? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, But it's my conjecture that that's the case. And and I love that. It brings me great comfort. I know that it's a a very big system and a lot of people do consider that. So um, that was the basis. That's a beautiful way of saying it. And I agree with that because our body is that sort of huge receiver and antenna that sort of get all the transmission we want to if we allow it. So that's beautiful. Correct. Subconscious is the portal. That is it. I mean, that is when you open that up, that mm-hmm. is the portal. That is your connection to channel. That's your connection to the frequency. That is mm-hmm. it. And I just, I would love to hear once people read, I would love for someone to email me their experiences because to hear it back is just so gratifying. And, and I would really, really, really appreciate hearing all the magnificent things that start to happen for people as they read. Fantastic. Where can someone go to get more information about you, your book, and keep up with your latest happenings? Oh, that's nice. Uh, so KimberlyFriedmutter.com is the website, and it's KimberlyFriedmutter, F-R-I-E-D-M-U-T-T-E-R.com. The book is available on Amazon, all online retailers, nationwide retailers, everywhere, brick-and-mortar stores. Again, it hit number one in Amazon bestseller list in its category, and we were so, so, so pleased because the more we're traveling in tandem together <laughs> globally, mm-hmm. the better mm-hmm. off. And it's interesting because one of the first um, – languages to translate into was Arabic. And I thought that that was so very interesting <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I mean, think about, think about the culture yeah. there though is yeah, not yeah, only yeah. was it an honor, but so, so very interesting. And, um, you know, this is, it's a human condition. It has nothing to do That's with right. geography or really belief. It's so open because if you believe in science and you know your mind, then mm-hmm. you're there. If you have a brain, yeah. you're in the game. It, you know, you have it already. Beautiful thing. So true. I want to add also the book is an easy read. It's very well organized. It's not something that you have to look for things, and you can jump to what places you like that sort of resonates with you immediately right now, and you can kind of go back and forth between the principles and so forth. Yes, and even the the section on drought. Drought is very important Mm -hmm. if we can hit that for a second because that drought where you're feeling lack and you're feeling depression or – and it could be what I call passing drought, which is momentary. It's a day or two where things just aren't lining up for you. It just seems like – that's when you might say things like, oh, when it rains, it pours, or, you know, (laughs) I have such bad luck, you know, now, or I must be – or Mercury's in retrograde, you know, all the various things (laughs) that people say. And so (laughs) we call it a lot of different things, but whatever it is, we're Things aren't really lining up for you. That's a momentary, what I call passing drought. And then lingering drought will be when it's like it could be a week or more. It could be a couple of months where perhaps you've lost a job or you've lost a family member, a pet, a loved one, or, you know, perhaps have made a scary move or something's happened. Whatever that is, that's a, a lingering where it's just kind of, you know, there. It's running situational. And then the last type and the most dangerous type is habitual drought. And that is where... Mm-hmm. You, we all know someone who just can't get out of their own way. You know, last summer, this happens to me every summer. I get a cold and, you know, this and that. And mm-hmm, where the mm-hmm. shoe's always dropping off the other foot. You know, there's always a problem at bay. And um, and that is, is something more serious. But I do cover all of those. And anytime we're in drought, it's just it's just the lack we're perceiving that we have. And a lot of times, not the truth. And so easy to rewrite that script and pull yourself out of that. So true. What is next for you? More books. I would just love to, I would love to write subconscious power, marriage, subconscious power, relationships, subconscious power, career, those things. I mean, I, I just, I love 
the ability to get this information out of my office. I can't see everyone. And I love mm-hmm. the fact that this is mainstream now. It's, it's my greatest pleasure to share. Fantastic. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, what would you like to share as a recipe for living as we close the show? Kindness. And the, and the understanding that we're just all doing the best we can, no matter who you encounter today or tomorrow, remembering, and if anything brussels your, your uh, hairs on the back of your neck or you get upset or anything, just remember we're all trying to do the best we can at the time with what we have. And that kindness aids in that and supports that. Beautiful. Kimberly, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in three weeks, Tuesday morning, May 7. My guest will be multi-award winning novelist Marissa Labozita. Marissa and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and her latest novel, A Day in June. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Kimberly, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed, wonderful day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye.